You have your Bibles turned to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 this evening, and we're continuing through this study of 1 Thessalonians on Wednesday night, and we just finished Hebrews on Sunday morning, and uh, what we believe around here is just let the Bible preach, amen, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, uh, and uh, we're going to cover the whole Bible soon, I hope, amen. I've been preaching 47 years. And I have never, well, I've been in full-time ministry uh, 47 years, been preaching probably about 50, but I've never enjoyed preaching as much as I have been preaching lately. I don't know if you've enjoyed or not, but I tell you, I have enjoyed the Word of God and also relieving all the pressure of what I'm going to preach. Uh, some preachers call outline hotline on Saturday night, try to find a sword of the Lord or whatever and try to get a message but I want to tell you something, this Bible is full of messages, amen? And the Word will preach. Uh, we ought to let the Word preach, amen? And so we are now in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, but i got to back up to verse 18 of the previous chapter, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. And that's about the rapture of the church. A week before last, I preached on the holiness in the last days. And then last week, I preached on the hope of the last days, and I'm glad we have a hope, not a hopes, hope, uh, hope so, but a hope I know so, and our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus Christ and his righteousness, and as sure as he came the first time, he's coming the second time, that's why there's missionaries that need help, and they need nationals that are well equipped, and we need to send out more missionaries, and we need to send them to cold Canada, this is a uh, uh, preparing yourself for the climate up there, amen? Uh, I have never been so cold in my life as I have been today. I don't know why, because it's not really that cold. But I want to tell you something, we live in a cold, dark world. And I believe with all my heart, we are called to be the light of the world, set up on a hilltop. And we ought to be hopeful, we ought to be excited, we ought to have the joy of the Lord. We shouldn't let anything dampen our spirits. We ought to, have, we ought to come in here worshiping God, knowing that we're on the winning side and knowing that we're going to heaven and that soon, and I believe very soon, what I'm preaching on tonight is going to take place and that's the day of the Lord. And I'll explain what that means in just a moment. But let's stay in all the Word of God. I want to read verses 1 through 11 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Thank you for being here and we appreciate and honored by our special guest from Florida. It says, but the times and season, brethren, ye have no need that I write you uh, unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, I want you to underline that, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 2, I hope you're with me. It says, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction cometh upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, <clears throat> amen, that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are the children of light and the children of day. You are not of the night nor the darkness. Thank God for that. And therefore, let us not sleep as others do, others do, as do others, but let us watch and be sober. But they that sleep, sleep in night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith, love, 
and for the helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation, future tense, by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, here it is again, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. You may be seated as I pray. Father, thank you for the wonderful testimonies and God, these missionaries that share in their heart and their burden and their calling to reach more souls. And God, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to realize we're in the very last days before the rapture. And God, it could be tonight that you uh, sound the trumpet or the angel sounds the trumpet and you call us up to be with you. And Lord, then we see the day of the Lord. And God, thank you that we won't have to go through that judgment upon this earth. And so Lord, teach us something tonight. Encourage us. But God, help us to apply what we hear. May we incline and apply the Word of God. And may we be more faithful in these last days, more in love with you. God, have more faith, more hope, and more love. And we're going to thank you and praise you for what you're doing through this message. In Jesus' name and for your glory we preach. Amen. I want you to notice, first of all, the phrase, the day of the Lord. The day of the Lord. What is the day of the Lord? Well, look at verse 1 through 3 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It says, But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you. Yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as a thief, as a thief in the night. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Now, folks, I want you to know the time of the Lord's return and the day of the Lord's return, we do not know. I'll never forget in 1988, I believe it was, some fella wrote a book on 100 reasons why Jesus is coming in 1988. And you know some after he did not come, I can give you 100 reasons why he was a false prophet. Amen? And wasted a lot of money. How many bought that book, Regent? Don't, don't admit it, if you did. But uh, uh, what, a, what nonsense. They set dates on the second coming of the Lord Jesus. What, when is the return? Well, the fact is, they should not have to be even discussed. Paul said, but of these things and seasons, brother, we have no need that you write unto you. And folks, we don't know the times. Time's a chronological time. The events that follow one another rolling away, and it can cover many, many years, even decades. But the seasons mean the particular time, the nature event that takes place. Paul had already covered the critical events and discussed what would happen. And so, folks, it's very uh, natural to wonder when the Lord's coming. Well, I'm going to tell you something. He's coming soon. Paul believed it was going to be in his day. And how much more should we believe that it could come today? And all the signs of the time are here. And all of them point to the second coming. Seven years before that will be the rapture of the church. And it ought to be comfort to know that you're not going to be here during the day of the Lord. And I'll define what the day of the Lord means. Believers are looking for the Lord's return, but unbelievers will be caught completely off guard. They'll think that it's a political um, revival going on or more peace and safety in the world. 
and they'll think they're getting everything together and that it's their world and and they can uh, do what they want to and all of a sudden, the Lord's going to come. And I want to tell you something, the dead in Christ will rise first and we which are alive and remain shall be called up. That's where we get the word rapture, together with the Lord in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. But then the day of the Lord starts. And I want to define what the day of the Lord is. John Wolford put it simply in striking words, the day of the Lord is the period of time including when God will deal with the wicked men directly and dramatically in a fearful judgment. We call it the great tribulation. And today a man may be a blasphemer of God, an atheist, can announce God and teach bad doctrine, and seemingly God does it does nothing about it. But the day is coming when God will punish human sin. He'll deal with the wrath and the judgment with the Christ-rejecting world. And one thing we are sure of is that God in His own way will bring every soul into judgment. And folks, listen, when is Christ returning? We don't know the time, but we know after the rapture, the day of the Lord is going to take place. And that covers the seven years of tribulation, and then it also covers the millennial reign. It's the day of the Lord. Now, the rapture was not seen in the Old Testament, but the day of the Lord was mentioned many times, and I jotted down a few of the verses that deal with the day of the Lord. In Isaiah chapter 13, in verses 9 through 11, you don't have to turn to all these. I'll read them to you, but you ought to jot down these references and study them sometime. It says, Behold, in Isaiah 13, verse 9, it says, Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, cruel both with wrath and fierce anger, to lay the land desolate, and he shall destroy the sinners thereof out of it. For the stars of heaven and the constellations thereof shall not give their light. The sun shall be darkened in its going forth, and the moon shall not cause her light to shine. And I will punish the world for their evil, and the wicked for their iniquity, and I will cause the arrogancy of the proud to cease, and will lay low the haughtiness of the terrible. You know, we live in a very proud and haughty day. People think they don't need God. They think they can legislate what marriage is. God help our country to endorse same-sex marriage. That's such an abomination to God. Uh, today, our new president-to-be, um, has appointed a, a homosexual to his cabinet. Uh, and, uh, and he made note that it was such a wonderful thing to see he and his male mate uh, going around the country. I thought, oh my, it's already started. And folks, I want to tell you something. There might be some arrogance and there might be some pride today, but one day every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that he's Lord and that he's right. In Zephaniah chapter 1, verse 14 through 16, that's four doors before Malachi, the Bible says, The great day of the Lord is near. It is near and hastes greatly, even the voice of the day of the Lord. The mighty man cry there bitterly. The, de the day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness uh, and desolates, a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fence cities and against the high towers. Nothing will stand during the tribulation. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says, Behold, the day cometh that, that shall burn as an oven, 
and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them us, saith the Lord of, of hosts. That is, shall leave them neither root nor branch. And the New Testament, Jude, verse 14, says, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and all their hard speeches with ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swellings, words, having men's persons in admiration because of the vantage. And so, folks, we see in the last days, of course, the, we're not going to be here. Uh, the Lord's not going to come and touch this earth at the rapture. He's going to call us up hither. Amen? The trump of God's going to sound. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and shall be caught up. Uh, the Bible describes it as a twinkling of an eye. General Electric um, had nothing more to do several years ago uh, and, and, and timed the twinkling of an eye. Now, who has time to, to time the twinkling of an eye? But it's one ten thousandth of a second they came to. So in one ten thousandth of a second, we're out of here. How many believe the rapture could take place tonight? Say amen. And I want to tell you something, folks. Uh, we see, uh, second of all, Brother Cody, that there's a, there's a, 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 the day of the Lord, there's a, there's a sense of security, but it's a false sense of security. Um, as the days of Noah, I'm sure the whole majority of humanity made fun of the man building a boat in the middle of the desert when it's never rained. But folks, I want to tell you something. They might have laughed at Noah, but God didn't laugh. And I want to tell you something, friend. When Noah, when the, when the Lord closed the door, they weren't laughing then. Amen? Because judgment had come. And the ark of salvation was for whosoever will, as it is today. And thank God, friend, we need to realize in the last days, it'll be as in the days of Noah. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 17, please. Luke chapter 17. And uh, my tendency is when half the church is not in here is not to cover too much territory. But these folks travel all the way from Florida, so I'm going to cover the whole message. Amen. But look at Luke chapter 17, and I want you to look at verse 26. Amen. Verse 26. And we're so honored to have you. It says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it also be in the days of the Son of Man. Look at verse 27. It says, we're in Luke chapter 17. You with me now? Say amen. And it says in verse 27, they did eat, they drank, and they married wives and they were given in marriage until the days that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, also as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, and they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. Oh, folks, look at verse 29. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Folks, I want to tell you something. It's a day of false security, but it's also a day of catastrophic destruction. I'm talking about the, the um, great tribulation. And I believe that we're not going to spend a day in the tribulation. I don't believe God's going to beat up his bride for three and a half years on the honeymoon. Say amen. I don't believe you would beat up your bride for three and a half years. You wouldn't have a bride left. How long have you been married, brothers? And you're excited about it, aren't you? Amen. You wouldn't beat her up for three and a half years, would you? 
Oh, she beat you up. Okay, good. All right, we classified that. Amen. And uh, Brother Tyler really married up. But uh, not a prize fighter either. But uh, the day of the Lord will be a day of catastrophic destruction. Uh, look at uh, our text in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it says, And you shall know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall cometh as a thief in night, and they will say, Peace and safety, false security. Folks, our security is not in religion. Our security is not in politics. And our security is definitely not in another man. Our security is in Christ. And our security is in the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, and the fact that He still is on the throne. And He still rules and He still reigns. Can somebody say amen? I thank God the Lord's still on the throne. And folks, we see it in, uh, uh, in verse... Three, it says, for they shall say peace and safety. Then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. Well, that's described in the Old Testament too. Not the, not the rapture, but the tribulation and the second coming. It says, at last, for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand, and as a destruction from the Almighty shall it come. And I will show wonders in heaven and the earth blood and fire and pillars of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of the Lord cometh. Joel chapter 2, verse 30 and 31. The Bible says, And the great day of the Lord is near. It is near. It hastens greatly. Even the voice of the day of the Lord, the mighty man, shall cry there bitterly. The day is a day of wrath, a day of trouble and distress, a day of wasteness and desolation a day of darkness and gloominess, a day of clouds and thick darkness, uh, and a day of the trumpet and alarm against the fenced cities, as I've already read in Zephaniah. But I want to tell you something, folks. In Revelation chapter 6 through 18, you'll never see the word church mentioned because the church is not here. Amen? But I want you to know, friend, the, there'll be a catastrophic destruction of this world. There will be, uh, uh, and, and there'll be no escape no escape. The day of the Lord will be a day of no escape. In Amos chapter 5, verse 18 and 19, the Bible says, Woe unto them that desire the day of the Lord, to what in it it is for you. The day of the Lord is darkness and not light. If a man did flee from a lion and a bear met him, or went into the house and leaned his hand on the wall and the serpent bit him, though they dig into hell, hence shall my hand take them, though they climb up to heaven, Hence will I bring them down. Amos chapter 9 verse 2. You know there's a description of the, of the tribulation in Revelation chapter 6. And it's a phrase that's, that ought to get your attention. It says in verse 16 of Revelation 6. And he said to the mountains and the rocks fall on us and hide, hide us from the face of him that sitteth on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Did you hear that? The wrath of the Lamb. The Lamb of God came the first time, and he was born in a manger. But the next time he comes, there won't be no manger. And the next time he comes, it'll be judgment. And he'll, be, he'll not be coming with a, uh, riding on a donkey's back and no place to lay his head, but he'll be coming on a white horse, uh, king of kings and lord of lords. And folks, the Bible says, for the great day of his wrath has come, verse 17, and who shall be able to stand? There'll be no escape. Just as our text says, and that last phrase of that verse, there'll be no escape. Folks, I want to tell you something. Once you've heard the gospel before the rapture, I, don't, I believe you will not 
get saved after the, after the rapture, during the tribulation, because you'll believe a delusion. You'll, you'll be, believe the, uh, Satan's lie. And so the believers, uh, there's a, there's a, on the Lord's return and the day of the Lord, the, the uh, believer's behavior is very important. Now, this is where we come in. This is what I've been trying to get to, laid a little foundation. Folks, how are we to live in the last days? I once heard a preacher say this, that the doctrine of the second coming should change your life more than any doctrine in the Bible. If you could believe he could come any minute, your life will be changed. If you could believe the trump of God could sound today, your life would change. Your priorities would change. Your appetites would change. Your actions and reactions and transactions would be changed. Everything in the light of the, of the soon coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the soon rapture that's going to take place, but I want you to see uh, several things that the believer uh, should not do and should do in the very last days before the rapture and, of course, before the tribulation breaks out on this earth. Uh, number one, a believer is not to be surprised by the Lord's return. In verse 4 it says, But ye brethren are not in the darkness, that ye, the day should overtake you as a thief. Now, I want to say this, I'll say it with the authority of the Word of God, the lost are going to be shocked. The unbeliever is going to be shocked when he comes. He's, they're going to be shocked when the judgment starts falling on this earth. I mean, uh, water turned to blood, hailstones 125 pounds uh, uh, hitting this earth. Death will take a holiday. Demonic uh, beings unleash Revelation chapter 9 from the pit of hell. And scorpion, uh, sting of a scorpion and death will take a holiday. Excruciating pain. They say that a little scorpion bites you. It's the most excruciating pain there is. And folks, there'll be um, uh, so much uh, of the nature, uh, the sun will refuse to shine. And all the disruption, all these people that are so concerned about climate change and running their campaigns on climate change. There's going to be a climate change one day. But it's going to be the climate change of the tribulation when all of creation is going to judge this world. And so folks, we see uh, we should not be surprised because we're not in darkness. Look at it. It says, you brethren are not in darkness that the day should overtake you as a thief. You are all children of light and the children of day. You're not of the night nor the darkness. I can't understand why people want to just borderline Christianity. They want to just have a little dab of do you and they want to just get a little involved in the work of God. Your whole life ought to be Christ. Your whole life ought to be serving God. Your whole life should be a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. I'll never get the time that I was about 16 years old playing church, and I'd been saved for about five or six years. My daddy was an alcoholic, and burnt the house up, wrecked the cars, and uh, it was just a terrible home life. And thank God he got saved while I was preaching when he was 63. He lived seven years. And on his deathbed, he said, Wayne, I have one regret, that I only lived seven years. For he that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. You're just existing if you're not saved. And thank God he did live seven years, and thank God I'll see him again. But I'll never forget when I was playing church, sitting on the back row, hanging the man, or dating the girl, or whatever I was doing. And there was an F.M. Davis a preacher that was dying of cancer. He couldn't hardly move, and he was pale from impending death. But when he got up behind the pulpit, young people, 
He turned red, not because he was some um, uh, North Georgia preacher that wind sucked, that's what I call him, uh, but he was, a, he, was, he was a man of God. He was on fire for God, and, and, and life just sort of vibrated through his life. And I'll never forget what he preached, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Why is it your reasonable service? Because of the mercies of God. Because He died for you. Can't you live for Him? And shouldn't we give all our life to Him? It says, Be not conformed to this world, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. Brother Tyler, it's wonderful to be in the will of God. It's wonderful to be right in the middle of God's will. There's freedom in the will of God. Brother TJ, it's wonderful to know that God has called you to do what you're called and be in the will of God. It's wonderful. It's exciting. It's thrilling to experience the will of God. But I want to tell you something. A Christian out of the will of God is the most defeated, sad uh, case of humanity I've ever seen because they know better. And they've been saved for the grace and glory of God and they're living beneath their God-given privilege. And so folks, we're not of the dark. We're of the light. Because he's the child, we're a child of the day. Why? Because we're not blinded by the glitter and the power and possessions of this world, by the passions and pleasures of the flesh. We live for God. And we, as the preacher preached, wasn't that a great message Sunday night? Praise God, I'm glad I waited on him. He went to the wrong town. But if you were 78 years old, you might go to the wrong town. Amen. Turned at the wrong Walgreens and he called about 10 minutes till 6 and said, Brother Wayne, I've made a terrible mistake. I'm in the wrong town. And he was be our evangelist Sunday night. And thank God he got here just in time. Amen. And what a message by that dear man of God, that dear missionary that's given his life to reach the military all over Europe. And folks, I'm going to tell you something. The Lord used that message in my life. That we need to have revival, personal revival. And the personal revival comes by being filled with the Spirit of God and filled with the Word of God and, and being the will of God. And we ought to be excited about being a lighthouse on a hilltop that should not be hill. That we are the salt and light of the world. And what's so sad is a lot of Christians don't vote and they don't pray and they don't go to church and they don't come back on Sunday night and they don't come back on Wednesday night. And it's sad that they just want to be nominal, borderline Christians. Fence straggler. I'm going to tell you something. If you straddle the fence, you'll fall backwards every time. I've never seen anyone upslide, but I've seen a whole lot of people backslide. And it's sad. It's sad. Some of y'all families members, they're out of the will of God. You can't, you beg them to come to church. You want them to come to church. I mean, what's wrong? Folks, I want to tell you something. We've got used to the darkness. We need to be children of the light. And folks, the Bible talks about that in just a minute, about putting on the armor. And folks, we ought to be people of love and hope and of faith. And folks, if we're people of faith, then we have a faithfulness about our life. We're children of light. We're children of the day. Thank God. And then believers are not to be spiritually asleep. Spiritually asleep. Look at verse 6. It says, Therefore let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Now, according to this verse, there's some asleep. 
And that means not alert, not involved in the things of God. Uh, I've, I've, um, I've seen people sleep through my whole sermon before. That's the gospel truth. And I'm not pointing out anybody because some people are third shift and I'm just glad you're here. You might get it by osmosis or something. Amen. But folks, I want to tell you something more uh, detrimental than that. We're asleep in this world. And folks, we're not alert to chances to, uh, to hand out a track and witness and plant the seed of the gospel that will never return void. We just kind of blend in and, and, we're, and, we, and the salt's lost its flavor so it's good for nothing as a preacher preached Sunday night. And so we're not to be spiritual asleep. We need to realize that when you're asleep, you're not aware of what God's doing. You're not worshiping. And we need to worship God. I know the crowd's down. And I know that um, there's probably a lot of more kids than there are parents here and whatever. But thank God, friend, I'm going to tell you something. We, we're here to worship God. I'm not to preach to them. I'm to preach for Him. And folks, God will give the increase and God will bless and we don't know who's listening. There might be one person that's listening that needs this message, but folks, not praying is spiritually asleep. And not fellowshipping with God and with His people. You need the church. That's why the devil's trying to use this pandemic to isolate you and to isolate a whole lot of people in this church. And folks, some will never come back. And it breaks my heart. They'll never come back unless we go after them unless we pray, unless we keep worshiping. And so we see some are asleep. The word watch is a very important word. It says, but let us watch. Watch means be alert, be on guard to live for Christ. The devil's a roaring lion seeking to devour, and he's after your faith. He wants to devour your faith. Peter um said, I'll never deny you in Luke chapter 22. And Jesus said, I prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. Folks, I want to tell you something. We need more faith. We need to live by faith. I'll get that in just a minute. And then be sober. You say, well, I try to be sober. I don't drink too much. No, that's not what that means. Sober means discipline. Sober means controlled by the Spirit. Um, ever looking for the return of the Lord. I'm telling you, the doctrine of the second coming will change your life. One out of three verses refer to the second coming, someone has said. So if I preached one out of three messages on the second coming, I'd be scriptural. And folks, sometimes we never preach on the second coming. We don't preach on hell enough. But folks, He's coming. He's coming soon. And after the... After the uh, uh, rapture, there's going to be the day of the Lord. There's going to be a day of judgment. There's going to be the tribulation, seven years on this earth. And then the Lord's going to come and we're going to come with Him. Amen. And we're going to rule and reign for a thousand years. Isn't that wonderful? And folks, I believe we're in the very last days. And if you believe we're in the very last days, you'll be watchful and you'll be sober. Some identify with the night. Some identify with evil behavior. Look at this. It says, therefore, let us not sleep as do others, and let us, not, let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night. And they that be drunken, they're drunken in the night. We need to be separated. We need to be sanctified. And we need to be satisfied with the things of God. We don't need 
the lust of the flesh, the lust of the world, and the pride of life. Amen? The Bible says this, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh. Matthew 25, verse 13. I like Luke chapter 12, verse 37, where it says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when He cometh, find watching. Verily I say unto you that He shall gird Himself and make them to sit down to meet and shall come forth and serve them and take heed to yourself lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness and the cares of this life so that the day come upon you unaware, unawares. You are the children of light, First Thessalonians 5 says. We're children of the day. We're not of the night. We're not of darkness. Therefore let us not sleep as others do let us watch and be sober, and be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, like a roaring lion, seeketh, or walketh about seeking who he may devour, 1 Peter 5, 8. And I want to tell you what he's after. He wants to devour your faith, he wants to devour your love, and he wants to devour your hope. I say this too much, but every epistle starts with those three words. Somewhere in the first paragraph. It might take a couple of chapters for Paul to get that first paragraph completed. But you'll find out that he always commends the local church for three things. Love, faith, and hope. Not nickels and noses and facilities. But love, faith, and hope. Let me, you're looking at me like, I don't believe you. Well, let me prove it. Go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. He said, remembering without ceasing. 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 3. He says, remembering without ceasing your work of faith, your labor of love, and the patience of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in the sight of God and our Father. In verse 2, I should have read that first. It says, giving thanks to God always for you all. What was he thankful for? He says, making mention of you in our prayers. Remembering without ceasing your work of faith, labor of love, and patience of hope. We ought to be known for our love and our faith and our hope. Go back to Colossians chapter 1, the first paragraph of this letter to the epistles. What's, what's he commend? What's he, what's, what's he uh, acknowledge as a strong church and even a strong and mature Christian? Look at first Colossians 1 verse 4. He says, or let's go back to verse 3. It says, we give thanks to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, praying always for you since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love, which you have of all the saints, and for the hope which is laid up for you in heaven, whereof ye heard before in the word of truth of the gospel. Love, faith, and hope. I go back to Ephesians chapter 1. It took him several verses to get to his opening statement, but he starts praying. He starts praying for the Christians. Now, folks, I want to know what Paul's praying. I like to, I like to read Jesus' prayer, especially John 17, the high priestly prayer. Amen? It's not Matthew 6. It's not Luke 11. The high priestly prayer is John 17. Say amen. That's the disciples' prayer. Uh, the Lord never prayed, forgive me of my trespasses for I trespass against us. He's a perfect Lord. Amen? But look at this in verse 15 of chapter 1 of Ephesians. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith 
in the Lord Jesus and your love unto all saints. Then it goes on down and says, Cease not to give thanks for you making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him and the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. We ought to be enlightened in these dark days that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what is the riches of his glory in the inheritance of the saints. And he says, and what is the exceeding greatness of this power to usward who believe according to the work of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him on the right hand of the heavenly places far above all principalities and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this world but also in uh, that which has come and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all the things of the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Folks, I want to tell you something. There ought to be a lot of faith. And there ought to be a lot of love. And there ought to be a lot of hope in your life. And sometimes if we're not careful, we'll drift into darkness. And we'll drift. And drifting's always downstream. I mean, it's always away from God. It's always gradual. But it's always destructive. Drifting away from the Lord. That's why it's not uh, back, back leaping. It's backsliding. And folks, we need to have more faith today than we ever had before. We need to have more love than we've ever had before. We need to have more hope. I want you to see in closing, um, and let me just read Revelation 16, verse 15. It says, Behold, I come as a thief. Blessed is he that watcheth and keepeth his garments, lest he walk naked and they see his shame. Be sober, be village, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion walking about seeking whom he may devour. There's one other thing. The devil wants to devour us. That's your testimony. Young people, the greatest thing you have is your testimony. The greatest way to, to be a light in these dark days is have a testimony. You can't afford to lose your testimony. Be faithful. Love God. Never lose hope. But I want you to see the believer's duty in verse 8. It says, But let us who are of the day be sober. There it is. Be serious. Be alert. Putting on the breastplate of what? Faith. And love. And for a helmet, the hope of salvation. There it is again. He's saying, listen, in these last days, you need to be light. You need to be faithful. You need to be full of love and faith and hope. And the reason is, is that we need a shield. Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says that we ought to, above all, put on the shield of faith. It's able to quench all the what? Fiery darts of Satan. And folks, he shoots darts of discouragement. He shoots darts of doubt. He shoots all kinds of darts of, of sensual living and all kinds of things in our heart. And we need to be behind the shield of faith. And that shield in the Bible days is about 5 foot 11 and those soldiers would hide behind the shield. It'd be coated with metal and wood, and, and those uh, darts, fiery darts, would be sweeping to them, and they'd hide themselves in, in faith. And they'd be defended by faith. So the shield of faith is very important. Folks, have faith in God. I believe believers ought to believe. I believe we ought to have so much faith that 
we, we live different. We act different. We react different. And we ought to be faithful because of our faith. And then we see the hope of salvation. And the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6, I know my time's up and we got to go, but it says in taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. I'm glad I have the helmet of salvation. And that salvation is past tense, present tense, and future tense. Amen? I was saved from the penalty of sin. Thank God I'm being saved from the presence or the power of sin. And one day, when the trump of God sounds, or God calls me by way of virus, or, or as Brother Carl Braswell just fell down a flight of steps at his home and hit his head. He'd already survived COVID. He and his wife fought that and won, and then God took him home. He'd fallen down a few steps in his, in his home. I believe he married you and Brother Al, Miss Trudy, right? Dear man of God, dear man of God. And folks, I want to tell you something. We need the helmet of salvation. I want to tell you what the helmet of salvation is. That you will always be saved. That you cannot lose your salvation. And one day you're going to be saved from the presence of sin. You're going to be saved and delivered, the Bible says. Look at it. It says, for he has not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. You'll never experience the wrath of hell if you're saved. And in the battle... You need to have the helmet of salvation firmly upon your mind that you're saved, that you're more than just saved. You're saved, 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 and you're on the winning side, and you need to keep on battling. What's it saying? One day, there's a finish line. And thank God, one day, the battle's going to be over. Amen? And one day, it's all going to be over, and we need to be faithful knowing that we have the helmet of salvation and that we have the shield of faith. But also, last but not least, that we're constrained by His love. I want to tell you what we need more in these last days than anything else. We need people that just love God. And that love His Word. That love His church. And yes, love each other. Amen? We're the only army that shoots our wounded. Say amen right there. We're the only army that shoots each other. If somebody's down, we just want to shoot them or we want to uh, criticize them so we'll, we'll look better in somebody's sight. But what we need to do is restore them. And we never, need to, we never need to give up on them. We need to love them and forgive them like Christ forgives us. Amen? And folks, listen, I want to tell you something. In the last days, we need, to, we need to be taught to deny ungodliness and worldly lust. We should live soberly and righteously and godly in this present world looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. I believe with all my heart, when you think about how much God loves you, you ought to love Him. And you ought to love souls. How many gospel tracts have you handed out this week? How many seeds have you planted? How many times have you spoke to someone that nobody else will speak to because God spoke to you one day and you loved them with all your heart? Beloved, now we are the sons of God. It does not yet appear what we shall be, but 
we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him. We shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in, in Him purifieth himself even as He is pure. So folks, while we have this faith, while we have this hope, we need to be full of God's love. And the only way to be filled with God's love is to be filled with His Spirit. And God never fills you charismatic for a filling. God fills you to overflow. God fills you to serve. God fills you to be witnesses. And God fills you to be like Christ. And God fills you that, that He might be glorified, that He might be exalted, that He might be King of kings and Lord of lords in your life. In verse 11, I'll just mention this, my time's up, because the crowd's about to unleash at 8.30. It says, Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even also, even as also ye do. We see the believer's duty is to be sober and to have the sh- and be shielded by faith and love and hope. But praise God, folks, our ministry, last but not least, Brother Cody, our ministry is to love, to edify, and to comfort. I don't know about you, but I need his local church. I need the I need we we need each other. And if we ever let the devil isolate us, we're in trouble. And the devil loves to divide and devour. And that's his strategy. But folks, we need to love each other. We need to comfort one another. We need to edify one another. And and the church ought to be a place of encouragement in these last days. And And the church ought to be a place of light and love and even laughter. It's okay to laugh once in a while in church. Amen? Have a good time. I believe we ought to be ready. We ought to be faithful. I heard about a very rich man that had a mansion, and he had a, he had gardens all around his mansion, and he decided that he wanted to live somewhere else for a while, but he didn't want to sell his mansion, and so he moved to another location. But he left an endowment to one of his managers to tell the care- caretaker every day what to do in that garden, and he kept it pristine. He kept it beautiful. And one fellow came to the gardener and says, man, this is beautiful. I mean, your master hadn't been here in 12 years, and this place is immaculate. This is beautiful. He says, you you act like your master could come back any month or any year. He says, no, I serve as if he could come today. Folks, I want to say this. We ought to serve. We ought to have love and faith. And hope as if he could come today. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this portion of Scripture. And Lord, I'm looking forward to diving into a little bit more next week. But dear God, as an overview, we thank you that we can see that we need to be shielded with love and hope and faith. And God, that we need to be a light. Lord, we need to be a testimony. We need to have more faith. God, increase our faith. And God, increase our hope. And God, overflow us with your love is our prayer tonight. Lord, bless the service back in the back. I pray, God, that many are being saved or at least challenged to be faithful, discipled, and grow in the, in the word of the Lord and, and your spirit. God, help us that's in here, the few that's here. God, to take serious 
that you could come any moment. Lord, the trump of God will sound, and then the day of the Lord will begin. And I pray, dear God, that there will be not one person left here to experience the cataclysmic destruction and hurt and pain of Revelation chapter 6 through 18. Dear God, I pray that they'll be in the rapture and be caught up and be ready tonight to meet you in the air or by death. Lord, we're going to thank you for bringing some people under Holy Ghost conviction. And I pray, dear God, they'll never rest until they get saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed and every preacher, let's give an invitation. Maybe somebody in here needs to be saved. Maybe you just need to get closer. Maybe you just need to have more faith, more hope, more love in these last days. But you'd say, preacher, I know for sure that if I I were to die today, you're not guaranteed you won't, or if the rapture trumpet sound, that I know for sure that I'd be caught up. I'd be among the missing. I know that I'm saved. and I know I'm so glad that I trust in the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. I know I'm going to heaven. That's your testimony tonight. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around. How many raise your hand gratefully and thankfully that you're saved? Would you raise it up real high? God bless you. That's wonderful. But don't look around and don't raise it because somebody else did. Thank God. How many glad you saved? Say amen. Praise God. We ought to show it. Is there anybody in here to say, Preacher, I'm not saved, but I sure would like you to pray for me. And I won't come to you. I won't embarrass you in any way. I want to do the most I could ever do for you. I want to pray for you because I love you. God loved me when I was a little 11-year-old son of a drunk, didn't have anything to offer anyone. The Lord saved me. And you'd say, Preacher, please pray for me because I'm not sure I'm saved, but I want to be. Would you slip your hand up and then back down? Anyone say, Preacher, please pray for me. I'm not sure, but I'd like to be. Anyone? Anyone? Have me say, Preacher, I'm a, I'm, I'm a Christian. I'm saved. I know it for sure. I can take you to the place for the time that I got saved. But I know I need to trust God more in these last days. And I need to be more hopeful. And I need to be more loving. And I just need to rededicate my life to live these last days on this earth before the rapture or before God takes me home by way of death for God's glory and God's honor and for salvation of souls. And that's your prayer tonight. Would you slip your hand up real high? i got to raise mine. Matter of fact, I'll raise both mine. I need to take more serious the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, thank you for the multitude of hands that went up and thank you God for this privilege to worship with this dear church and their pastor and thank you for the song and just the wonderful time we've had together. And God, this might be the last Wednesday night that we have together for the rapture and we'll just be together in heaven. And so Lord, we thank you for the fellowship and we thank you for the fellowship and we thank you dear God for saving our souls for a purpose. And that's to glorify your precious name and reach the lost at any cost. So Lord, dear God, help us to take this passage serious and all these Old Testament uh, prophecies, prophecies that's going to come true of this day of the Lord. And help us, dear God, to warn people to miss the tribulation and to miss hell and to be prepared for the rapture. And we'll thank you and praise you what you're doing in through our life is a testimony of your greatness. In Jesus' name, amen.